Daddy-O, man, it is a pleasure and an honor to have you here, man. How you feeling today? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. I'm I'm in Florida on a project, so it's hot outside, but I'm good. Man, I'm glad that you're ducking that heat, man. It's 100 up here in Georgia, so. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all over, all over. Where I live, I live in Houston, and it's hot there, too. Man. Yeah, it's just no way to avoid it this time. Nope, not this time. <laughs> but, um. Man, we're here today just to talk about, you know, the type of career you had, man, and your legacy. Um, you know, when I got the chance to talk to, you know, your good friend, YZ, I said, man, I would love to interview Daddy-O. He's like, bro, you want right. to really do your research, man. He's done it all. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but I have done a lot of things, though. I have. That's true. Well, hopefully we can have you, you know, share some of that with us. So I'm going to ask you some questions, some things I do okay. know, but some things that I'd love for you to explain because you're the professor, so. No doubt, no doubt. All right. Well, let's start with all good stories. Start from the beginning, man. Um, Daddy, I got the question. I know when people right. ask you where you're from, you typically say East New York slash right. Brooklyn. What's the difference? Right. Well, Brooklyn is a borough, right? But just like with any neighborhood, you know, there's, there's small, I don't even know what you call them. I guess they're called neighborhoods. Like with any city product, I guess that's the way you say it. With any city, there are neighborhoods. So because of the way that New York is made up, it's we say five boroughs, but it's really like five cities. It's like Queens is his own city, Brooklyn's his own city, Manhattan's his own city, Bronx's his own city, Staten Island's his own city. So in that city, there's you know different pockets. So I'm from the eastern part of that city. Like, you know, it's it's really East New York. It's really East Brooklyn. We bought a line and, and we're moving toward Queens. So I'm from East New York, um, you know, because there's different parts of Brooklyn, you know, Bed-Stuy, there's a lot, Red Hook, Brownsville, you know, a different part. So um, it's just that that part of Brooklyn that I'm from. You know, Brooklyn is the borough I'm from. I'm from Brooklyn, just like anybody that was from the Bronx would say they're from the Bronx, et cetera. But I'm from, but I'm from the East New York section of Brooklyn. Understood. Okay, now I appreciate that because you know, Southerners, we hear that all the time. We're like, well, what's the what's the distinction? But it's right, the same. right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So, Daddy, let me ask this question then. You know, we we see a lot of documentaries now about how Brooklyn and how the boroughs were in the seventies and eighties. What was your experience like with New York during that time? Well, the seventies was the seventies, eighties, totally different times, right? So, because the eighties. That was probably the emergence of hip hop, you know, fully started in the late 70s, but the emergence of hip hop was in the 80s. And so the 70s is more more soul music, you know what I mean? Um, the, the voices changed, I think. I think if I, if, if I, from a daddy perspective, I would say that in the 70s, you know, we had a bunch of R&B groups and they were the ones talking about social equality or anything that was going wrong. They was the ones in the eighties that switched to the rappers doing, you know? And I don't think it, I don't think it totally left the R&B stuff, but some of the R&B was a little more lovey-dovey type of stuff by the eighties, you know, it was a, a whole bunch of lovey. Not to say R&B doesn't do lovey-dovey anyway, but, and, 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 and social issues, political issues, you know, any community issues, now the rappers was taking that on. Okay. Okay. Yeah. When you were coming to age, rap was really 
being formed. Right. And so I asked that question and I kind of read interviews of you talking about it. What are some of your earliest experiences with hip hop? Do you remember seeing block parties and how was that the first time you saw it? Yeah, I mean, because, you know, I say this all the time. I say we, we called it hip hop because they called it hip hop, meaning the guys in the Bronx that basically, you know, um, 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 premiered the art form. Uh-huh. For us, where I was, we just was trying to be a part of the black music that was before us. You know what I mean? So, so it was a lot of, um, I don't know, maybe possibly you might call it experimentation. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's not, I always say this, it's not like we really knew what we were doing. Mm. I mean, we had some semblance of what we were doing, right? Rocking parties, you kind of knew what you was doing. You know, getting on the mic at a party, you kind of knew what you was doing. DJs, you know, playing beats and stuff, kind of knew what they was doing. But then once it kind of moved into the area of the recorded music and the recorded medium, now it's like, what do we do? And I think pretty much if you spoke, speak to anybody around that time, they'll all have this experience of like, we didn't really know what it was like to be in the studio because that wasn't the mics we was rapping on. Right, the mics we was rapping on was behind the DJ booth. We didn't know nothing about the studio and what, you know, because to us, all the underbeds of music was our DJs playing records. So we didn't know anything about oh, having an original underbed of music or, you know, I'm a producer now, but back then we wasn't thinking about being no producers. Like, you know what I mean? It was that type of thing. So it was so, I would say probably the, the experimentation might be the, the best word, you know what I mean? Because as we develop in it, we're just trying to see what works. We really don't know what's going to work. There's no way we know it's going to work or not. It was too young. And if you look at some of the earlier rap records, you see how long they are. 12 minutes, nine minutes, 13 minutes, because that's what we would do in the park. Just get on the mic and kill it for a while. And killing it is, 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 is definitely more than three minutes, four and a half minutes, like records. So, you know, that kind of stuff. And then we didn't know nothing about making choruses. We didn't think about no choruses. <laughs> you know what I mean? We rapping. So, so yeah, it was, it was a lot of experimentation to get to the point that, you know, of where we got. Okay. Daddy, that made me think of an interview I read by you. And you kind of said, you know, when you think of like the three big elements of rap is disco, reggae. Let me see, what was the James other? Brown. Yes. And James Brown. And yeah. James Brown. So, yeah. so let me ask you this question then, because there's been like a debate online about where toasting really originated from. Do you think it's Jamaican in origin? Do you think people like Louis Jordan and black artists in the forties were the pioneers of it? Not that it matters, but I'm just I, curious. I think, toasting, I, think to, I think toasting is its own thing. You know why I know this? I, it's interesting that you asked me this. So in the nineties, I went to, a, I went on a trip for spin magazine to Port-au-Prince, not Port-au-Prince, that's, that's Haiti, Haiti, to Port, Port Antonio, Jamaica. Okay. And it was to cover a group there called the Jolly Boys. And they do a music called Mento. So Mento was first, then came ska, and then came reggae. So the Jamaicans was already developing their own folk music way earlier than Bob Marley and all of them. Dang. 
So that's what all that toasting comes out of because they basically, even through Mento and Ska, used to tell stories. And because, I mean, I, I might go out on a limb and say, because they're Jamaican, they got incredible rhythm. So it's all gonna be based on a rhythm even now when you talk about reggae joints and you talk about dance hall, people always say the rhythm, the rhythm, so-and-so rhythm, so-and-so rhythm, because it was always going to be about the rhythm. And so I watched the Jolly Boys, they used, uh, a, it, it was really a big kalimba, like the same little, but it's a big old kalimba, and that serves for the tones and also almost as a drum, because it's so big, he sits on it. And plays boom, 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 boom. You know what I mean? And then they, and then they do some singing. But I don't, I don't at all. I, I mean, I will say this about Jamaicans, and this is pretty true with most of the West Indies. Everybody was fascinated with the American music of the time. A lot more classic. They was they was fascinated by a lot more classic stuff, the Bing Crosby stuff, the Dean Martin stuff. It wasn't really the you know that kind of stuff, and so that's why you hear Yellow Man doing "I'm Getting Married" and all of those particular songs, you know, songs that was like big band songs, that kind of stuff. They were always intrigued by that kind of stuff. But in terms of them coming up with that sky rhythm, which later on became that reggae toasting rhythm. I solidly believe that they developed that themselves. I solidly do. I appreciate that because I had never heard that lesson in history. I needed that though. Yeah, you look up the Jolly Boys, you'll see. Like it's, it's. I'm telling you this. This whole mental was something else, and you could see the shaping. And then when you go from mental into ska, you start seeing the shaping of what we now have with, say, Bob Marley and Barris Hammond. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking that up definitely. I appreciate that. Okay, so let me ask this question then. Um, I, I read interviews kind of trying to get to the root of how you got your name in the first place. And I think, and I feel like it's pretty accurate, but I would love it if you could kind of humor me and tell me how you got your name. Cause you had an original name before Daddy O, right? Yeah, yeah I had, I, my, so my rap name was Dr. On. And then some guys on my block, they used to hustle, but they was also like ex-rappers. Like, and I say ex-rappers because they just didn't want to do it no more. They make money, right? And they called me across the street one time and asked me what was my name. And I told them my name was Dr. Orn. They told me it was corny. They gave me the name of Daddy-O. They, they, they showed me a style of rhyming, all of that type of stuff. And from then on, my name was Daddy-O. I kind of grew into the name. Later on, like, it fits, but I kind of grew into the name Daddy-O. But, you know, what's interesting about... Um, my career in music is all, um, I would say it's all gratitude and appreciation. I mean, that's basically all it is, right? It's somebody pulling me up, showing me a rhyme style, and then another person telling me something else, and then another person turning me on to the, the music books of the time, which at that time was This Business of Music, and there was a book called, what's it called, Strapped? Mm, it's not called Strap, it's another name, it's, it's, it's ST something, I'll get it. But, you know, uh, learning about the music business and all of those particular things. And then when we finally did get a record deal, you know, my, my band, when we finally did get a record deal, we won that through a contest. So all of it is just appreciation and gratitude, like no, no silver spoon and stuff, but also not, it, it almost, it also feels very miraculous because 
it seems like every step of my career, somebody was there to say, hey, you know, you know, almost, I'm telling you, it's, it's like some stupid fairy tale, like, yeah, you're going to need this for your next steps. You know what I mean? And then, yeah. boom, I'll move on. How do you know that? Oh, the, the guy down there gave it to me. Well, if he gave you that, you're going to need this for your next, you know what I'm saying? Like, so it's always been like that for us. Like, you know, very, very miraculous, real, Stetsasonic is a lesson in gratitude, that's for sure. No, that's a good segue because I, I was going to ask you about that. I, you know, reading into your story, you know, it seems like you guys or you made the decision to really start committing to rapping in high school. You wrote for someone and were like, nah, never mind. I'm going I'm to do this myself. Right. So let me ask that question. How did you originally form the three of you all that, you know, start the stats? So we was we was I was part of a uh, I was part of a religious organization and in that religious organization, I met Delight and also another guy that's um, even still down with us would go on the road with us to be our road manager for years. Um, his name is Michael Matthews, but they call him my sim. And he happened to be a guy that was um, abreast of everything that went on because he used to dance uptown. So if you ever hear the old school tapes from Melly Mel and all of them, and you hear somebody say, Iron Mike is in the house, that was him. You know, he was one of the dancers. So mm -hmm. once I decided to do it, he kind of helped and guided us as to which tapes to listen to kind of stuff. So me and Delight started working some stuff. Together. And then we kind of grew out of that. Um, I, I left that community um, and moved, moved back to Brooklyn um, over there. And then um, once we started doing it, we were in East New York. We met this brother, Kevin Porter. And um, he was like, if you guys really want to rap, you know, if you really want to do it, I'll show you how to do it. But you got to be serious. And we was like, we serious. Our first show, Stetson Sonic's first real show was at Carnegie Hall. And I hope I could find those. I think I got the pictures with us with the outfits on, with the white gloves and all of that. You know what I mean? It was like, you know, that was our first. So we just grew from there. We, we grew. Um, we met a cat. Um, he passed away. His name is Mike um, Bouchon. Because um, we, I said in, in one of my records, he was playing out the window. A lot of people couldn't do the like, like, like uptown. People was way into the DJ arts, Herc and Flash and them. But in Brooklyn, there wasn't a lot of guys that was too ni that nice on the turntables. But he was, and we heard him playing out the window. So I said, I want to meet that guy. I met him. I said, Hey, we want to we, we formulated this this DJ outfit called Mass Communication. Um, we used to play block parties and stuff like that. And Stetsasonic grew out of that. You know, out of, out of being with mass communication, me and Delight being in mass communication, having Crown Supreme, who's the backup DJ then. But then when we brought him along with us, he was the third MC instead of signing. Because I sim had kind of figured out he he doesn't really fit as an MC, but he still stayed around us. And then we just, you know, we kept growing the groove. I mean, we went through, we, we went through a lot. Like I always keep saying, like I, at some point I want to do something with everybody because there's DJs. We had Tricky Trans and DJ. At one time, we had Howie and Steve as two DJs. Del D was in the group. Shamel was in the group. So at some point, I want to bring all them guys back to do something. You know what I mean? Because we there was a lot of people along the path that it kind of ironed out to be the sets of science that people know and love on records. But a lot of those guys, even like Shamel, still influential to me even to this day. 
man, when I was uh, reading that story, actually, like you were saying, I saw how many kind of personnel changes y'all went through. So that definitely yeah. would be key if you highlighted everybody because that'll probably yeah. get obscured through history. Yes, it's true. So so let me ask this question then. Um, who was Bob Power and what role did he play in you all's success? Well, Bob Power is an engineer. Um, we used to record at a studio called Calliope in the city. Uh, I think it's 37th Street and 8th, between 8th and Broadway or something like that. I think it's 730, West 37th. And um, when we first went to that studio, the way we got to that studio was by two guys. One of the guys is the guy that found, um, one is the guy that found Lady Gaga, Calvin Gaines, and then his brother, Philip Gaines, whose name is Michael Moog right now. Michael mm -hmm. Moog, if you look up Michael Moog, he's, you know, he's, he's big and, you know, he, he did a lot of big things, still doing a lot of big things. Anyway, they were working for Calliope and they were at AES, the, the, you know, the audio expo. And we saw them, you know, we black kids, we see a couple of other black kids. We're like, yo, what's up? What y'all doing here? And like, yo, we work for the studio, man. We was like, yeah, we stepped to Sonic, we rap, you know, we were, you know, we're going to be doing it. He said, man, if you, if you start recording, man, come here to record. So we, when we got our record deal, we went to Calliope to record. But our power was one of the engineers there at Calliope. It was a lot. Um, the first guy I think that worked with us was the guy that owned it, was his name Chris. And then, um, then later on, it, they would give us power. And we, we learned a lot. But I also say Bob Powell learned a lot from us because he didn't know anything about hip hop. You know, this is before Bob Powell was doing D'Angelo, before he's doing Tribe Corp Quest, before he's working with anybody, he's working with us. We the first hip hop act that he's working with. And you know, we learned a whole lot from Powell. Powell learned a lot from us. But, you know, he would go on to do some really huge things and get Grammys from records all through our connection. You know what I mean? But, but um, yeah, but Powell was a guy that um, he taught us a lot, man. We learned a lot for how to um, listen. I think we learned more to listen from Powell because Powell would literally always say, you've been listening too long, daddy. Oh, go take a break for your ears. <laughs> That's real. You know what I mean? Go go take a walk around the block. Like, you know, you you just way too up on it. And and I, I learned that. Like, I don't even know if any of the people that work with music know that today. Like, sometimes you gotta walk away from that thing to come back to that thing. Which was, you know, it's a it's a it's a general practice of great engineers, you know, which I guess, you know, that puts him in that category of great engineers. But we learned a lot from him. And we, you know, we all learned how to kind of do it together. We would later on get some other um, engineers that even went on to do big things, just when, either when Bob wasn't uh, available or when somebody else wasn't available. We learned to work with all of them at Clive. Okay. Okay. Um, I got two questions, but I'm going to start with the first one. So, Daddy, how did y'all mm -hmm. settle upon the name Stetsasonics and what, what's the significance of the name? So, so the name Stetsasonic came from those guys that I was talking about. They had a group originally in Long Island called the Stetson Brothers. And so when we started doing what we were doing, we actually was going to be calling ourselves the Stetson Brothers. The light was like, that's cool, but not cool. Like it's cool, but then it's not cool because, you know, they, they're the Stetson Brothers, really. You know what I mean? Like that type of thing. So, so we wanted to keep the Stetsa kind of thing because we wanted that association. So Delight came up with the name Stetsa Sonic. I asked him what it meant. He said, well, Stetsa for the style, you know, and Sonic means sound. 
And then later on, I would learn that there's a printing terminology called step. That it's, it's placed, it's unmovable, it's finished, it's finale. So literally, technically, the name means finished sound or complete sound. I appreciate that because I couldn't read that definition anywhere online. So I needed to. Right, right, right. Okay. Let me ask this other question, Daddy-O. Um, describe to me as best as you can the experience of hearing Mr. Magic show and Red Alert show when they were in there. Like when they first came on the radio and you're, you know, uh, an adult at this time, how did that sound and how did that feel? Well, you know, you got to understand, like, being a part of this culture is just an interesting thing, right? So I would say probably the closest, if I could try to think, the closest to it might be your team won a game and they're announcing it on the radio. <laughs> Dang. You understand what I'm trying to say? It's like, it's one thing if your team wins a game. It's a whole nother thing. You're a high school team and all of a sudden they're announcing you on the radio. You're like, you know, it was a lot of excitement because, um, and you know, I, 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 don't, I don't bite my tongue about that and, and about this. In the very beginning, we had a lot of resistance. So magic becomes way more important than people even think magic is because he's the guy to stand up because Tyrone tells a story. Um, I'm ready. So yeah, Tyrone Williams, who worked with Mr. Magic, said, yo, this is an actual fact that they actually tried to take rap off the radio. And they told Magic and a few other DJs, I know Lady B in Philly is one, probably Pink House, God Bless the Dead out of, out of Chicago, all those people. I think I must, must have been Greg Mack in, in, in LA. They told me, hey, we'll, we'll do this for you and we'll do this for you if you guys just stop playing rap. You know what I mean? And, and Magic and them was like, no. And then they just went in harder. So then, you know, it's like, man, it's, it's, I don't know. It's a, it's a tribal thing, right? It's like having your own tribe and all that. And honestly, I don't want to say it's sad, but honestly, it's kind of the same now. Yeah, it is. You know, it's, 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 it's a little different because of the popularity, right? There was no Post Malone's or Future, you know, as big as that. I mean, LL got big, but never as big as these guys are getting now, right? Um, but it still feels very, um, you know, our tribe and, 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 and representing for our tribe and sometimes defending our tribe, you know what I mean? Like it's still that. So, so those early days was, was, was nourishment for us. So we would stay up, you know, some of those, some of those mix shows back in the days would come on one or two o'clock in the morning, you know, we would stay up with our boom boxes just to listen, man, because that's the only time that we could get, Stuff and then you know we got it on you know we got the tapes on pause you know we trying to tape everything we could get to have it you know because playback was important back in the day nowadays it's different um and yeah there's a couple of kind of fake MP3 boombox type of things but nobody really does that anymore you know like nobody even does that and you could do playlists and you could do all types of stuff and look I mean you got things like I got my little thing here. This this whole thing is my I go out and DJ with just this. Yeah, you can. You know what I'm trying to say? So back in the day, you couldn't do none of that. You know what I mean? So the replay value was very, very important. So it was important for us to be able to stay up and take Mr. Magic and all of that, because he was only gonna come back on next weekend. He wasn't on every day. 
You know what I mean? So that's another thing is that, you know, a lot of our mix shows, pretty much all of them, none of them was weekly. All, all of them was one day out of the week. So that was, you know, it was important for us to capture. Okay. Daddy, let me ask this then. You know, during that time, we, I do my history, we, we hear about the Bridge Wars and we hear about right. okay, the Bronx, we hear about Queens. Where right. was Brooklyn at in the midst of this? And more specifically, where were you at in the midst of the Bridge Wars? Where, you know, as I mean, I was right there because we was, we was, you know, I was peers with all those guys on the record making level. Um, Brooklyn didn't really have anything to do with it because, you know, even in the Bridge Wars, if you hear KRS one, he, he says Brooklyn keep on taking it. Like we was robbery kings. Like they wasn't really trying to, you know what I mean? Like they 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 backed up off of us. But um, I was there. I mean, I was there and I was there for it. And I'm gonna tell you why I was there for it. Okay. In the same way the kids say I'm here for it, because competition is the cornerstone of hip hop. And 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 all of the best hip hop comes out of competition. Facts. You know what I mean? Even if Drake makes a great record or one of them, they are definitely thinking about their peers. There's no rapper that's going in the booth not thinking about who else is out there. You're right. And, 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 and that's a little different sometimes than R&B or country or whatever, because it might get, um, you know, some equality props, but not, but not, might, might not necessarily be competitive energy, you know, and, and hip hop is competitive energy. So that I was there for that because it was able to translate into records, which was kind of cool because it did give them a, a much longer shelf life than somebody just you know me and you and we rapping against each other on a tape and then if you got a copy of the tape you got a copy but if you don't then i just you know whatever that 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 could that record thing could make it, it really could make it worldwide you feel like the bridge wars propel people like kane and krs to another level i think i think all of yeah i think all of the competition from the very beginning has done that so you know, we witnessed Cold Crush versus Fantastic, um, Cold Crush versus the, the 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 Force MCs when it was the Force MCs. We witnessed all those battles back in the day. You know that, but way before records was ever made. So, um, you know, it was a it was again a, a really even in its way form and fashion. It's still experimentation because we didn't know if. The, Nobody knew if that was going to work or not. <laughs> it could have been something somebody says, man, get out of here with that. Don't nobody want to hear that. Because that was happening with us a lot. It was happening with us a whole lot. Somebody makes, oh, man, get out of here. We don't want to, you know, things that you think are going to get big, they don't get big. Things that you think may not even blow, blow up. Like, we didn't really know. So I think it propelled all of us. But I think we was already on that trajectory, though. From 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 the battles that we um, were doing before that, anyway, okay. and seeing before that. Okay, okay. Uh, let me ask this question then. Um, the first record comes out in 1986. What was y'all's thought process when the record first came out? What was the objective? What was the goal? Because at this time, rap is you know 
I think I think for Stetson Sonic and the, the guys could speak for themselves, but I think even for almost all of us at that time, it was really about. I don't know if I want to attach the name celebrity, but maybe I do. I want to say I want to say it's kind. I want to kind of say it was about local celebrity, right? It was about your block. It was about your city. It was about your town. It was about that kind of thing. It wasn't a oh worldwide type of thing or um, national kind of thing. It wasn't that. It was it was about that. And so I think for us, it's you know do. And when I say peers now, I'm not talking about although. Our artistic peers are another peer to talk about, but do you have the respect of your peers? You know, and that is the people that's listening to you, that's in that group, but also the other guys in the world that's rapping. You know what I mean? The other guys that's out there rapping right now. And do you have the respect of your peers? So I think that that was the, that's the litmus test for us, man, just kind of getting that happening. And once you, once you got the respect of your peers, your neighborhood, your town, your little city or whatever, then that thing could expand. But, you know, in the very beginning, it was about that. You know, I, I cannot, I'm not going to sit here and lie and tell you I was thinking about Boston or I was thinking about Philadelphia or I was thinking about Iowa. I wasn't. I wasn't even really thinking about the Bronx or Manhattan. I was just thinking about Brooklyn. You trying to be the man. You know, and putting it on the map, putting it on the map for us, us doing what we got to do. You know what I mean? And then people respecting us, you know? Ghost Stetson, did you, who produced the record? And did you know that that record would become kind of like a, as iconic as it did? Ghost Stetson, no. Um, we started Ghost Stetson in the same ways that we started every other record on that album. Um, Tommy Boy had an office on First Avenue and they had a big conference room. And we used to go and take DVC's equipment and Prince Paul's equipment in there and just write our songs. We made go Stetsa to um, a drum beat that was a classic kind of James Brown type of drum beat. Boom, bam, boom, bam, boom, bam, boom, bam, boom, boom, bam. And that's the rhyme style. That if you hear now take a sec to check the pedigree boom back. That's what we wrote that to. We wrote it to that. The live drums, a brother named in that same community, same religious community that me and um me and Delight used to live in. We met up. There was another brother we knew. His name is Nodar. The live drums came from him because I wanted drum rolls and cymbals on that drum beat that was from the machine. But but what happened was, and I had, I'll never forget, I went out and bought a big oak tag and I'll hit roll, stop, you know, like all of that. But what happened was, and him to um, do that, he still had to keep a beat. So he would just keep the beat and wait for me to do something and then do it. You know what I mean? Um, Bob, like you, you mentioned Bob Powell, Bob Powell was our engineer and everything. But one day Bob wasn't available. Uh -oh. And so another Bob came in, which was Bob Coulter. Now, one thing with power that was a little irritating is power would take his own sweet time with everything. So he'd push up the kick and then he'd just stand there on the kick for 10, 20 minutes. Then he'd push up the snare, working on the snare. You wouldn't hear that full thing until after he worked on each thing. This young guy 
Bob Power, I mean, Bob Coulter, who would go on to do real big records with me. He just pushed everything up, but this is the thing. He didn't pull up the electronic drums. He just pulled up the, 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 the live drums. Oh, shoot. He pushed them up. The our live drums on Ghost Stets is only three tracks. Two stereo and one in the bathroom around the corner for the ambulance. That's it. So he pushed up those three tracks and our vocals. And I heard us rapping to the live drum for the first time in my life. And I said, yo, erase the drum, erase the drum machine. They said, you still, I said, erase it, take it all out. That's the record right there. Damn. Yeah. So Joe Go was like probably the one of the best mistakes I've ever made. But you know, I mean, every producer got that, every producer got that story about things that little thing that was off and it triggered something else and it just became a record yeah and i know you uh i know people usually ask you about that mistake and also with top billing but right before i even ask you that i was i was gonna ask um i looked into it right was tommy boy the only was tommy boy the only game in town is that why everybody you know part no, no no there were other labels there were definitely other labels i think the attraction to tommy boy was the hip hop attraction. Tommy Boy seemed like they knew what hip hop was. Some of the other labels, not so much. And not to say that they make great records, because there was there was some great independent records that came out. But I think a lot of us trusted that they knew what to do. And, and one thing would lead to the other, meaning Tommy Boy would go to do Planet Rock, which is huge. But they would also do um, Jazzy Jeff, and then, and when he did when he when so when he does Jeff and 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 the five MCs, we like oh man, you know what I'm saying? So now it's like they know that, you know what I mean? Like it's like they know hip hop. So for us, I mean, Sugar Hill was still most of the time a bigger label than Tommy Boy, but a lot of us that had this concept of authenticity would 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 be attracted to Tommy Boy. That's how Latifah got there because Mark the 45 King, you know what I mean? That's how Naughty got there. That's how, you know what I mean? That kind of situation because people would say they know what they doing. You know, after now you did step Latifah Naughty, of course Digital Underground says, of course I'm going with y'all. Y'all know what y'all doing. We love Stetson Sonic. We love Latifah. So I think Tommy Boy really tried their best to whole um authentic to the culture okay um yeah i'm ready all right so, Daddy-O, man, thank you for joining me again for part two of this interview, man. Uh, when we met the first time, we we covered a lot of ground. We talked about how you got your name. We talked about, you know, your right. your entry into music and, you know, why you guys chose to be a part of Tommy Boy. And uh, we last left off with you talking about the impact of Ghost Stetson. So I was going to let you kind of... Uh, if you can just kind of refresh our memory on like the impact of the song and its influence and then we can go from there. 
Yeah, so, I, I, so hip hop traditionally is from the Bronx, right? So a lot of the, a, a, a lot of the sound, um, in very you know in the early days of hip hop was coming from the Bronx, and then you know then from Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens started making records. Um, you know, Brooklyn is its own borough, has its own uh, chemistry, has its own attitude, swag, whatever you want to call it, right? So Gostetsa was the record that we incorporated, the Go Brooklyn chant that you hear on like LL Cool J's records. You know, every time you hear that Go Brooklyn chant, it's us. So Gostetsa, we incorporated that because we really kind of rep, repped Brooklyn on, on that record. And, um, you know, it was it was interesting because I'm sure the record was bigger in New York than it was everywhere else, but it was the real, I, I, I want to say this right, the real definition of having a local hit. Like, you don't know what that feels like until you do it. Because, you know, people can talk about having national and international hits and playing stadiums. That's cool. And I'm not saying that that's not grand. We've played 80,000. I've played, you know, over 80,000. I understand what it feels like. You know, that that's, 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 a, that's an element within itself, right? But this kind of local representing the people that's right there and the song having some success right so it's it's both of those things and that's what makes it a hit because it's on the radio there and it's on the radio there a few times a day and when you go to the clubs people are playing it you know and people are buying it so and, and i'm saying from that place not saying that people from other places didn't buy it but i'm saying from that place and I think mainly, honestly, because it represented them. And so I think, you know, that that in itself is like, oh, I mean, I, I, I'm sure this is not new. I'm sure probably people from Motown, this was the same. They from Detroit, the record comes on the radio, their neighborhood feels, you know, and I'm sure it's the same. For every rapper, I know that's got to be a fact. I know people are happy that 3,000 from Atlanta. And I know people are happy that Jay-Z is from Brooklyn. Like, I know that. So, it, but, saying that, but that was early. You know what I mean? So that's the, maybe that's the, the main difference is that it was very early in rap records. You know, the rap records was not at all when Ghost Edson came out. Okay. Okay. So, Daddy, let me let me ask in that same vein, you know, when you guys dropped that record in the middle of the 80s, you know, New York was in a New York was in a lot of it was undergoing a lot of social change. And, it, you know, it made me wonder because this documentary is really getting popular now. But, you know, when you were making music, how did the murders of, you know, Yusuf Hawkins and Michael Griffith, how did how did they affect you and your group and how did they affect the music that you all made? Well, for Stetsasonic, we've always had, and let me say this right, but I think this is what I want to say. <laughs> we've always had a strong connection 
to a neo-black political base. Mm. Sonny Carson was our man. We knew yeah. Sharpton mad early when he was on the uh, market and broad and pre preaching uh, uh, in Jersey. I mean, we go we go back in quote unquote civil rights in a different kind of way, right? Because our people are a little more buck the system type people, Alambe, Brath, all of those type of people. Um, so, so, so that, that vibe, that vein, we was already on that vein. Um, so we spoke about it. Um, you know, we definitely put things in our records. Um, I, I think, I, I think we knew the political, I think Stetsasonic knew the political climate. And so I think that we, it's a weird answer to the question, but I think that we were prepared. Like that's a, that's how I think it affected. I think we were prepared, you know, cause we were already doing that. We were already talking about things. A lot of people don't realize that the first Stetsasonic video is Africa. It's not any of our other records. Our first video is Africa, a Nelson Mandela, free Nelson Mandela record. That's the first time you see us on video. So we, you know, we, we, Stetson Sonic was never new to, I'll say it, neo-Black political views. Okay. And, okay. and, 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 you know, and those views, those views, I, I have to honestly say, those views might have morphed into something else that I don't, I no longer believe in because I believe in that. I believe in Sonny and them. I believe in where they was going with it. You know what I mean? It's a different situation now. Now is, now it's a different, it's a, it's a, it's a different ball game. But I think for us, I think we were ready. Like I, like even with brutality now and and, and what people talk about. I'm not proud of it, but we're not surprised. And we're not surprised for more than one reason. We're not surprised because a lot of us are older and know that there's horrible police on both sides of the coin and people that don't want to do their job. And you run into that every day. The person at the toll is rude. They don't want to do their job. Nobody wants to do their job. And it just feels like that. So why would, why would cops be excluded from that? I don't want to do their job either. So pull out a gun. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's it's stupid, but it's true. You know what I mean? So we see, we saw. Um, I will say, I will say this, and you didn't ask me this, but I'll say this. I do think that more people should speak up for whatever that means. I don't want to box them in on what they should speak up about. But I think sometimes now we don't feel like we get that from rap. We get it from a lot of people. We get it from podcasts. We get it from all that. But like the talking head could only do so much. And to me, the talking head, the podcast, the interview that we're doing is in alignment to my catalog. It's not yeah. the catalog. It's commentary. It's not the book. <laughs> the book is the catalog. It's commentary. And I think people kind of get it twisted. 
they look to get all their serious stuff from people in interviews or whatever. And then when they make right, no, because it's the songs that bring the people in. And you never know what sometimes what your words can do for people. And I think that that is it. And I think, I, you know, it's the, what are you giving? You know, because even battle rappers give us something like what are you giving us? You know, that's you know, what we I, I think that's a, that that might be the kind of balance that some folks feel that my opinion, my opinion. Daddy, you put a lot in there that to unpack. And um, I wasn't going to go there, but I, I do want to ask you this now, then. It's a little bit further along, but, you know, in that same vein of, you know, you all being like neo-political and, and focused on Black issues from the beginning, you know, how did you get involved in the Stop the Violence movement? And, you know, what were some of the elements of it that were successful that we could duplicate now, in your opinion? Well, um. So Karis one put together the Stop the Violence movement prior to doing the self-destruction record. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Chris has always um, championed causes, you know, Temple Hip Hop, all the things that he's done. So Chris put, and then, you know, just had an idea, him along with a few others, had an idea that if a bunch of us got on the record and did kind of like a re a we are the world type of rap, we are the world, but focus on violence because um hip hop and violence have a, a, an interim history. Mm-hmm. And most people don't know that hip hop the creation of hip hop, it was actually created to be an anti-violent music form. Most mm-hmm. people don't know this. Most people don't know that hip hop was a, a direct baby of the truce that the gangs in New York made. Hip hop is that baby mm-hmm. because it was crazy. The gangs was going nuts and they all came together and made a truce. And out of that was born hip hop. The DJs, the graffiti writers, the rappers, all of that. And so that's our relationship with violence. It's like we put out fires, but violence seems to like, this is a weird analogy and I never made it before, but I will today. It seems to follow us like a, like a, like a irking little. <laughs> Although we love our little sister, we don't love violence. But you know, it's like, yo, go back, go back. And so what happens is nowadays it almost looks reverse. It almost looks like hip hop is violent and somebody to put it out. And that's not, that's just not really true. So you know, Chris just knew that people needed to know that we don't start stuff. And that was the Stop the Violence movement as a whole, as a movement, but it also was, you know, um, you know, very, very prominently the self-destruction record. Um, so I thought with myself in terms of what we could duplicate now, I am working on self-destruction too. So I think that part of it, um, oh, but I think part of it, but I think part of it for, 
people could duplicate. I think awareness is a big thing. And I think people should rap about stuff. And I think they should figure out how. I did, you know, I did it in a different way Public Enemy did it. I did it in a different way than Boogie Down Productions did it. I did it in a different way than X-Clan or Parish or any of them guys that you look at and say, oh, this is the, you know, this is the deep black guy. I didn't do it like that. The light taught me that my music was about the mind, the body, and soul. And he said, D, you got to fulfill all three. And that's what I did from the beginning of my career. So I knew all the records couldn't be that, but I would give you freedom of death. I would give you Africa. I knew all records couldn't be that. Not for us, not for me. Maybe other people, yeah, not me. I'm more sliding the family stone. <laughs> then I am, um, um, let me see who would be, I don't know, you know, it's like, but I mean, I think back in those days, they figured out how to put the medicine in the candy jar. There it is. Stevie and them did all those, they, they figured that out. I got that from a young boy, from a 19 year old, I was on Clubhouse. He said, um, you gotta put the, the, the candy in the medicine jar. I mean, the medicine in the candy jar. Yeah, you got to put the medicine in the candy jar. You said they can't take it like, you know what I mean? Like to their face nowadays, like that. Daddy, you made, you made a very solid point. Well, you made a bunch of solid points, especially with, uh, you know, talking about putting the, the candy in the, the medicine or the medicine in the candy jar. And you mentioned, you know, how you guys did, you guys kind of carried on the tradition of public enemy and others without being too overtly black. So that makes me right. wonder, and, you know, I've heard Will Smith say it. I've heard a bunch of people say it, you know, that summer of 1988, you know, when you dropped, when Public Enemy dropped and you guys had just got from being off tour, like, do you feel as if that was the culture's most socially aware year? Might've been, man. Really might've been, man. Those cats, you know, because, because you know why, man, it might have been, man, I'm going to tell you why it might have been. It might have been because Cats was aware and didn't have to, Will can make Girls of the World Ain't Nothing But Trouble, but still be on the front line with us about the Grammys. Mm. You understand? It was, it was a connection there. So I think that that was the first thing. But aware, that word aware, you might be right. Because if you use that word, then you're probably right. Because awareness is what we lack today. It's got nothing to do with ability. I say to young rappers all the time, I say this to them all the time. I said, man, when I start doing this, man, I had a revolver with five shots. And I had to make sure I hit everything because I had I couldn't waste nothing. I said, man, y'all got a Mac 11 with a banana clip and y'all missing. How is that? Where they do that? You understand? It's not about the tools. It's about the awareness. It's about knowing. Because if you don't know what to shoot at, what to, what to do, then it's, you got a gun, but you can't do nothing with it. You got a studio, but you can't do nothing with it. You got a car, but you don't know how to drive. You can't do nothing with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's workarounds. Other people could do it for you, but that's not you doing it. So, Daddy, you know, let me ask. It, it, 
Go ahead, go ahead. Daddy. Oh, okay. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. So I was going to ask you this, Daddy O, because um, I'm thinking about 88. Of course, I'm mm-hmm. thinking about full gear. Shoot, that was a year before I was born. <laughs> but um, right. I'm, I'm thinking about talking all that jazz. And, you know, I read an interview, and um, I saw in the interview that you guys basically said, you know, you guys reached out to Lonnie Smith, and he gave you permission. You know, and right. I guess what I want to ask you is, with all the talk about sampling then, and then even with Patrice Russian now talking about how sampling is not being creative, how do you feel about the state of sampling now? And how did you feel back then about Lonnie Smith saying, yo, go ahead and take it and sample it? Like, how did you feel about it then? And how do you feel about it now? So two, two, two sides. One, I get in trouble for this. I get in trouble for a lot of things I say. I get in <laughs> trouble for this because I say, if you um if you tell me that hip hop well not not hip hop they like to make the distinction between hip hop and rap music they want to have that argument not, I'm not doing oh. it um if you want to make the distinction between um um what it what records are in turn it's not really distinction it's really description I I think rap records are two turntables the mic. That's what I think they are. In the very beginning, we rapped over records. We didn't rap over bands. And I say that, and, my, and I have a band. We didn't rap over bands. We didn't rap over none of that. We rapped over records. We scratched records, and we rapped. That was sampling. Flash and Theodore created sampling in its earliest form, that three-second scratch, that three-second backspin that they used to do. Um, James and them could do it with their bodies. I don't know. I don't know how James Brown's band kept the loop because you listen to a James Brown record, it sounds like a loop. It's stupid. The, the timing is, I don't know who. They Martians. So that's a whole other thing. Right? <laughs> they are, man. No, for real. Him, Sly, the meters. They Martians, man. There's nobody keeps the beat like that. Who does that? You're right. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, um, so we two turntables and a mic. So that's where the welcoming of sampling comes in because it's no different than us being in the park and putting on records and playing them. The only difference is now we're doing them, we're gonna do it for sale, blah, blah, blah. So all the business gets involved. And so now you gotta kind of figure that out. What I like about what happened with us and Lonnie Liston Smith Jr. is the conversation led to a compromise. Compromise was his decision. But I had that same conversation with uh, James's guy, um, Hank Ballard. We we sampled on um, Info Gear. We do a record called Showtime, and we sampled Hank Ballard's from the Love Side, and we met with Hank Ballard. That was happenstance because his bus was just there on Eighth Avenue when we walked on his bus, and um, but. You know, and that one he got paid for that. I made a deal with uh the the the, the late great Roger Troutman for for Brooklyn Bounce. He called yeah. me up. He told me he wanted nine grand in advance. I said, man, nine grand, man, you kind of kill. Come on, Daddy O. I charge Rodney O and Joe Cooley fifteen. I charge so and so and so something else. He said it's because you, Daddy O. I'm giving it to you for nine. <laughs> That's love. That's love. <laughs> 
You know what I mean? But I'm saying, I think, this is what I think. I think that people should talk to the creators. You know, when lawyers, I'm sorry, sorry. When lawyers are talking, then that's something totally different. Right. But when I talked to Lonnie Listen Smith Jr., it was creator to creator. When I talked to Hank Ballard, it was creator to creator. You understand? All, all of that is creator to creator. Yeah, sometimes it's it's easy enough. And there um there were people, I don't know if they still have them, but in my day, we used a couple of cats. Can't remember Larry's last name, but we used a couple of cats that were just sample clearance experts. Mm -hmm. And we could call them up and play a record for them, say to them, yo, is this one gonna be hard or easy? And he would tell me right away, Daddy O, you ain't gonna have no luck with that. Anita Baker says no to everybody. So yeah. dump it and figure out something else. You understand what I'm trying to say? Um, so I think it's the same thing. I, 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 uh, I, can I agree with Patrice? Should I make a talk and all that jazz too for her? Uh, the way I did the first one for the late great MMA? I mean, all we do is rap on records, woman. That's all we do. So you could say we non-creative i guess you could say flash was non-creative theodore was non-creative bambada was non-creative jazzy jeff one of the greatest uh whiz kid one of the greatest you know and and on the other side i can present turntablists that are not non-creative i can present the Q-Birds of the world that do things with records that you lady would not even understand what you're looking at you know what i'm saying but I, I, I think i think sampling's a fair game i just think that creators should talk to creators that's all i think i think it's a fair game ain't no way somebody gonna come to me with something i made that's you know out there in the atmosphere however catalog something like that right and come to me and say hey i want to use your joint if, if i'm if I'm privy to it, if it's cool and I like it, you know, it's got to go through. To me, I think some curation has to be done. So when we talk to 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 any of the creators that we have talked to in the past, meaning that's a sonic, they've heard the music. So you know, they got a yay or nay approval thing there. They could hear the music and say, "Oh hell no." You just talked about hanging a cat with a with a with a with a with an extension cord off a roof. I'm not doing that. That's <laughs> you know real. What I'm saying that's real. So you know they they I think they get first right of refusal. It's their music, but I mean, creator to creator is just the way that it should go, and I and and it's, it's just the way that I feel. I, I I honestly believe creator to creator is the way that it should go. But I do non-creative. I don't know how we can be non-creative when all we did is rap over a record. I mean, there's some records I do right now, brother, that all I do is I just take the record and rap over it. Sometimes I loop it and sometimes I don't because that instrumental piece goes that long that I just use the whole thing and just rap over it. I could have put a beat to it. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes it's, 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 it's some fly ass violins that go on for two and a half minutes in rhythm, but ain't no drums. I mean, th this is what we do. Listen, Grandmaster, um, uh, Jam Master J 
God bless the dead, was being interviewed by a guy. The guy said something about rap music. Jay said, rap music, ain't no such thing as rap music. If I put on some polka, D and, D and runner rap to that, they'll rap to whatever I play. What is rap music? <laughs> mm. This is what we do. You know what I'm saying? We rhyme on records, man. That's what we do. But we make it fly, though. We found the breakbeat. We did some things to make it fly. You know what I mean? You go back to Strictly Business with EPMD. That's just, man. Eric was just looping joints. The, the only other things sometimes you heard to the, the EPMD loops was what he did vocally. Don't get too close because you might get shot. But that's it. It's, it's, it, it to us, it's a old, you can look this up. It's like a pause tape for us. You know, come on, man. I, 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 I do think we have gems. We have Knife Wonders. We have Quest Loves. So we have these Pharrell's. We have Kanye's. We have these geniuses that will take a sample and do something that will fuck your mind, Patrice Rushton. But all of us don't do that. So if you want to, if you want to really debate that, let me put Pharrell in front of you and see what you say now. Because you don't want none of that. You know what I mean? Like some of us are that. Some of us are that creative. And some of us just going to use the loop and rap on the loop and that's it. Because we're going to make it fly what we say. What we say going to be so fly. I remember those days in the street parks. It was so, yo, man, some of those moments, man, and, and the MC get into his groove. And, and, and the, you know, it's the, it's, it's the summer, New York. We outside, the big speakers and all that. MC get in his groove, man, we there. He rapping on Love is the Message, some record. And the DJ, you know what I'm saying? And we just getting it. Like, come on, man. That's what we do, man. It's, 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 I'm telling you, I know. It's going to come full circle because a few rappers already have a vibe. A few rappers is out there with a vibe. They got a vibe. And, and, and that, it's going to continue, and they're going to start feeling it. Because right now, even though rap, like the rap and the hip-hop that people listen to on the radio, even though it garners you know, good money, streaming is corny, but the rest of it garners good money, the festivals and stuff like that, it still don't really have a groove yet. Cats ain't grooving yet. They just kind of chasing the bag. Mm -hmm. That's honest. I hate to say it, but they chasing the bag. They're not grooving. Grooving... We got grooving from our generation before. We watched Stevie and Marvin and James and Sly groove. And we always wanted that at our parties. Because our parties was different. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's DJ and us rapping. You know what I mean? But we wanted it. We, 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 we strive for a groove. Now, granted, and all, I mean, come on, you don't want to talk about Spotify, Apple Music, and that's pretty much the, I don't use too many online services. I use those two, right? Um, I'll Pandora a little bit. Um, um, and then I, I just stream radio stations. Like I stream my, um, um, 
local there's a local station in Houston that I just I'm in love with. So that's all I listen to all day. But anyway, um yeah, I I I I I, I don't think rappers have a groove right now. I think they're chasing the act. I think that when they get a groove, it's gonna be dangerous out here for every other kind. I mean, they think they threaten country thinks threatened. Um, pop music kind of thinks it's threatened by rap. Y'all ain't seen nothing. These little dudes get a groove, and it's no, it's, it's not gonna be no coming back from that. Cause I know, I know what Kaz meant. I knew what Silver Fox meant. I know early Kumo D meant, and and early Melly Mel. And it's a thing in there. A couple of little rappers caught it, but they don't. It's not continuous enough yet, but. When they get that groove, man, it's, it's, it, it's a reason there's the CMAs. Mm. I love country. That is one of my favorite um, part. I, I, I tell you a little daddy or secret. I teach artist development. And when I'm teaching rappers how to write songs, I have them listen to country songs. Mm for beginning, middle, and so I love country, but there's a reason it's a CMA because the genre is so self-contained and yeah. it's so expressive and it holds it on. And so it doesn't matter if you're listening to Jason Alzheim or Kenny Rogers, you know what you got. Now, you know, somebody might get into a black and white thing. So I got you there too. Rec same way. You still listen to Barris and if Elephant did a record today, you would listen to him. And right now you listen in the Spragger. Shout out Spragger Benz. Hmm. But reggae's gonna hold what reggae's gonna hold. So You're right. we we one of the few genres that they trying to suck us up into pop where we don't exist as hip hop. We yeah, just we in there with everybody else. Man, get out of here with that, man. We rap on records. That's a different thing than all of y'all do. None of y'all do that. None of y'all. Y'all got bands and producers and flutes and piccolos and whatever the hell you got. But that's what we got two turntables and a mic. That's what we got. And so we got dope DJs that scratch in full compositions, finding the groove for it. So, you know, we, 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 one night we might be rocking with James Brown band. The next night we might be rocking with Sly and the Family Stone. The next night we might be rocking with the meters. That's how we get there. You know what I mean? So I just think rappers got to make groove, like, and understand what that is, because I think that there is some distinction and I will say this here, God bless Jam Master Jake, but I will say this here. I think that there's some distinction between rap music and I think I think rap music should be a category and it's not mm. really. They say rap, but they don't think. I think rap music as a category is unrecognized. It's not, it's not recognized. And even in the war type of things, we BTs and, you know, BT hip hop awards and all that. Eh. All right, whatever. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's a, I'm serious, man. Like, it's really, it's still subpar stuff. You know, that's why cats be so happy when they get a Grammy. Because if you was really all about that BET, then you would tell Grammys, I'm just rocking with BET. Thanks. Some people do it. Like, come on, man, stand up for something. So I, I, I just feel like we're not really categorized. And I don't believe in conspiracy theory, so I can't really say they anything. But just maybe on the financial end, it might make sense for people financially, whoever that might be, for this genre category of music to be kind of just kind of pulled into the general pop area, then have its own thing. Yeah, I mean, Billboard recognizes it a little bit. But, but not to the level it needs now. You yeah, right. and I'm just saying that, and, 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 and you know, and then, that comes to the, and then that comes to the issue, do we need Billboard? I talk about this all the time. So, I mean, you guys, all this pro-black revolutionary, black power, we for this one, we for this one. Why are y'all still messing with the Grammys and the Bammies? Why are y'all even still on Facebook and Instagram? Why y'all ain't somewhere else out there? And there's other people out there. Trump got a, a a little social network. What's going Ozzie, on with y'all? Yeah, Ozzy Hayes' son got his own, you know, social yeah. network plus too. You right? So, yeah. but that so, is. I, I, I'm, I, I, that's my thing. Is like some of that got to be recognized. I hate how ugly that sounds, but it's, it's a lot of things that we don't come face to face with. Like we just, I don't know why. I guess it behooves me, and this is real, bro, because of my age. Because of my man. I, 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 I don't know if I got it here, but I got a, I, 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 had, I was looking at something online and I saw this um, picture. No, it's not here. Might be on this phone. It said that um, I remember going a whole day and not taking a picture of anything. <laughs> and it, it it was reminiscent of my times. Of, I, I found something on 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 uh, what is it? Instagram called "Remembering Old Times" or something. So just always a bunch of old memes. It's dope, but um. You know, I come from a time where we didn't have none of this, man. We just didn't have anything. Intercommunication was, communication was local as hell. Long distance calls was through the roof. You couldn't do them. I mean, you know, take film, get developed. We ain't making videos or nothing. Ain't nobody making videos or nothing. Ain't no VCRs, ain't none of that. You understand? So my, my perspective is like, you got all the ability. What are you doing? Like, what are you doing? You got all this ability, but still your your attrition and your attention seems to be to be noticed by somebody that's already established it, whether it's billboard, millboard, sillboard, or killboard. I don't care who it is, but it seems like that's what you're doing. You're fighting for approval with those guys. Yeah. Almost understand if I had to do it because I had none of this, but you got all of this and you doing that. 
it's kind of weird to me, man. It really is, man. I tell people this all the time, man. Listen, man. If you going down that way in California or Mississippi or maybe somewhere in Ohio, and you your um um on a on a poster, a billboard, and you're smiling with your kids, and it's a picture that you like, and you use it once for your profile, and it says Meta. You can't sue. Cause soon as you sign, soon as you click that little term agreement, little joint when you signed up with Facebook, you done gave away your image and likeness. Yeah. So if they want to do it, they gonna do it. Now they haven't. There's a lot of backlash that probably would happen, whatever. But the point of the matter is that ain't nobody coming to terms with what they could do versus what they do. And I'm, I'm guilty of it too. I just don't, I proclaim nothing, so I don't really care either way. It, it don't it don't bother me. I'm I'm more a champion, I'm, I'm here. I am pro-establishment, if you wanna call that, for, for classic hip hop. I'm here for like trying to get Billboard to give us a, a category for classic hip hop, try to give Apple Music to give us a category for classic hip hop, try to get Spotify to give us a ca category for classic hip hop, try to get Tidal to give us a category for classic hip hop, try to get Pandora to give us a category for classic hip hop, and and on top of that, the Grammys too. Facts. So I am pro-establishment on that because I, I like us. I like us. I like me, Kane, Slick Rick, Tone Lokes in the group, even uh, 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 Easy E, God bless the dead, Ice Cube, Public Enemy, Ice T. I like us, Scarface. I like us, and I think I, I think some of us do something. You know, it, 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 it is a, a, a thing, kind of. You can't be, you know, hey, Cole's not classic hip hop. You know what I'm saying? Money bag's not classic, but you know what I mean? But I think, yeah, so I, I fight for that. But I, I think I'm more like inside and just, you know, them, it's like they 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 talk a good, a lot of people talk a good game about not being recognized and stuff, but man, it's people making, getting recognized every day. Whether it's for selling hot air balloon rides or um custom rug mats for your car it's people getting noticed every day you're right and and, and and talented people have such an opportunity now because so i've never done any surveys but i would believe that more artistic artist type people suffer depression than anybody else. Oh, I believe that hundred <laughs> percent. And so this is a very interesting, almost monumental time for artists because it's one of the few times that we could do something and be heard. I mean, imagine what it might be being an artist back in the sixties. There's no antenna called the internet. I mean, you in Meridian, Mississippi, I guess you hope, 
You know what I mean? Like, what do you do? You have to move. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, it's just, and, and maybe that works and maybe it doesn't, right? Like, it's weird, but it gives credo, right? It does give credo to certain people's arguments about music being better back then. Oh, because, because that's the quality of your work now really, really stood out. Because you might've been the only one Meridian, Mississippi, to make it out of there because somebody came through there one night and you were playing this little club and tearing it down. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, Daddy O. Yeah, I think. My bad. I mean, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I wanted to. It's all good. It's all good. I wanted to ask you a couple questions, and I know you've told one of them before, but still. How did you get involved with UN and how did that lead to the formation of Junior Mafia? Um, UN brother just lived next door to me. We met. He introduced me to UN. And UN, once he seen what I was doing and came, you know, came to the studio, I had a little studio and all that. He was just like, yo, man, Big got like, all these little people and i had seen junior mafia like they were calling themselves junior mafia without being anything in hip-hop they used to run around the neighborhood with biggie and i used to see them together but i never knew what they you know like they they was just little kids around the block to me and um i was like he was like all of them and this girl that he know named kim you know we we can make a little rap group and un un is like so I gave I and I gave them the name Undies because I said you're not doing entertainment, you're doing entertainment. Hey, I did you have Undies, but anyway, um, Un mm-hmm. had all of these great Undies, right? I mean, it was just like vignettes, man. If Junior Mafia would have turned out what was in Un's mind, people would still be having a hangover. I'm telling you, Mafia a hundred of what what's in Un's mind because it happened so fast. It really happened fast. But um, yeah, me and Un start hanging out, became friends. He told me he wanted to do it. We start doing demos, and then we just start taking this. He went and got big. He said he he got big's blessings like before he even came and see me about the shit. He's like, yeah. I was like, what about Big? He's like, Big gonna do it. I'm like, all right, let's go. We start putting Kim in the studio. We never did demos with C's because he wasn't even rapping them, but we did demos with the other ones, the Snakes, Klepto, who was actually the best under Biggie. Klep was the best rapper in the Junior Mafia. Yeah, and then we start doing stuff and then, you know, went went up to Craig Calman and got the we me and unshopped it around though. We shot We shopped every We shopped it. Calvin seen the vision, so okay, okay. 
Daddy, on my next question, you know, you got known for, you are equally as known, not only as an MC, but as a producer. And, you know, when I was looking at the production credits, I saw the, the usual names. I saw Red Hot Chili's, Mary J, Queen. But I wanted to ask you about Cookie Crew, because when I heard, mm. I heard their two singles, I was like, why the fuck didn't I know about this earlier? Like, how did I you agree. meet them? And, and how was it working with them? Well, so um, Lisa is actually a filmmaker now. She's about to blow. But Lisa Cortez from uh, um, was uh, working at so Def Jam as a label and Rush as a management company was in the same office, and everybody worked for Def Jam worked for Rush. Um, Lisa came up with an idea because a lot of us was signed to Rush management. And Lisa came up with an idea and said, why don't we set up a separate arm of the business that just handles producers? Mm. And so um, she started something called um, RPM, which was Rush Producers Management. And Basically, she took my sister, I think not really sure, but I, I know they was working with um some of us, um the Bone Squad Coast out public enemy. Uh used to get us work and cook that literally is how I got to work. Um and what was cool about it is I did the whole for you know pretty much the first album in BC first album. It's a tracks, so that's not how we did most of it. And um I don't know, it ranks out of all the having fun and just it's in the five. I don't know where to put it yet, but it's in the top five. Definitely. We made most of the record in London, but we made a lot in the, in the States too. Um, the girls are hella cool, very teachable, uh, and taught us a lot to, you know, in terms of like, you know, and um, we had some good rhythms, man. Some good rhythms on that record. DBC was amazing though. I mean, me and DBC was partners, producer partners for a while. It was amazing. I mean, I, I think I think for me, you know, a lot of it is arrangement in my ear. Um, I mix pretty well. Like I can hear. I don't know why, but I can. Maybe it's because I've been listening to records all my life, but I can hear, so I can mix. And so was able to put some really cool things together. But working with those girls is amazing. They're still friends. Um, I haven't been to London in a while, but they're still friends. Um, we haven't talked about doing nothing new, but. Yeah, I love doing that record though. Daddy, let me ask this then. What made you all's performance at the, you know, at the Wembley Stadium when y'all perform Africa so pivotal? Because I've looked at the video footage a couple times and I was like, this feels like a huge moment, but what do you remember about it? And do you consider it a pivotal moment? Um, I consider it a pivotal moment because of meaning. Um It was a it was a night. Um, 
I mean, it was a lot of artists on that bill. Paul Young was there, Patti LaBelle was there. Um, I could probably get up, but I mean, it was, Terrence Tim Darby was there because we shared a dressing room with him. Um, mm. um, it, was, it was just an amazing night, just based on the concept of like, you know, what everybody believed about Nelson and him being able to get freed. And um, we were honored because we made that record. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so a lot of people were there performing huge acts, multi, multi, multi platinum acts. Ain't none of them have a record about Africa. <laughs> That's real. And that's that's us, man. That's pinnacle us, man. We, 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 when we were younger, before we made records, we were walking around and we was in Central Park and we seen a, a, a flyer say, Rockin against, Rock Against Racism. And we grabbed a number. You know them things that be on the pole and they, they cut the things where you grab a number? Yeah. We grabbed a number and we called them, told them we were, wanted to be on. We was rappers. We wanted to do the show. Say, yeah. We wrote a record called Rock Against Racism. We turned that thing out. Yeah, that, that, that's what we thought we were. You understand? That, that in our mind, that's what rappers do. You understand? <laughs> Say, like, what you having for? Like, and it, like I said, it's not always like political, but I'm just saying if there's a cause there and it's legitimate across the board, all of us believe it's a, it's, it's a you know, it's legitimate across the board thing. You know, debatable crap. We all believe that this is a problem or something that needs to be addressed or whatever. Why not rap about it? Like, why? Like, something's holding your tongue. You got something else to rap about. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then when I hear what you're rapping about, I'm like, you could have rapped about. It's so many things you could rap about. Like, it's a lot of people running around saying, "Oh, Tupac's my favorite," but Tupac ain't your favorite. Because if Pac was your favorite, you would look and see them intervals and you would look and see them songs. And you would say, man, I need to do my equivalent of Dear Mama. Exactly. I need to do my equivalent of Brenda, Brenda Got a Baby. I need to do my equivalent to keep your head up. Y'all ain't going there. You know what I'm saying? And that, that's not cool, man, because you're not really respecting the cat. A cat I respect Miles. Is trying to follow footsteps and do some real crazy stuff on trumpet, man. You know? Daddy, are you that, saying that bothers me sometimes? That bothers me sometimes, man, because the little boy worked so hard, man. I know people, people talk to me about this boy's work ethic, man. The Tupac are coming in and lay nine songs in a day, man. The only one that do that now is Wayne. Less yep. young ones do it that I don't know about. It seemed like Moneybag is in the studio a lot, though, because I, I, he, his volume is crazy. But Pac, man, people who I know been in the studio with Pac, man, say, man, Pac, animal in the studio, man. You crazy? Mimic that. Give me that. Cause I think we could do it. That's why I try to keep trying to say, like, what are like, are we them or are we us? What are we? Because if we us, let's just do the us. I ain't gonna be mad. We gonna get it. Facebook got the money and all that. They love Mark. 
Ain't nobody gonna be mad at us. <laughs> they not. They just gonna support and we gonna be gone. But come on, man. It's like we give away. I feel like we give away so much. That's how I feel. That's true. You know, it's like even even with the festivals, it's like. Not that I'm saying that there needs to be a dedicated hip hop festival, but it probably does. But I don't know. We get milked. I'm, I watch because you know I'm, I'm. You know, Instagram is great for me. The stuff that comes across my you know timeline. You know, I always get flyers. Always get the flyers that come up for all of the little festivals, and some of them be them small ones. Smoke on the water and all that stuff. It don't be like just Lollapalooza and all that. And they, you know, I'll name it their bigs. Like, think about it. What we got? It's nothing we don't got. We got Tyler and Kendrick and Drake. It's nothing <laughs> we don't have. You right? Fuck is y'all talking about? Bye. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, no. That's what be killing me. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because I know, like. Yeah, you might not like everybody, but we got a few out there who scorch your little boots. You know, you 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 you'll be you'll be sweaty for that. You will be tired after this concert. You will. But you know, I don't know. I just I, I don't know. I don't know how that happens. I know that's 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 all kinds of like uh pipe dreaming and all of that kind of stuff. But yeah, Daddy, let me ask this then, because you mentioned Instagram, but I'm a, I'm gonna spin back to that. I really want to get this question in. You know, recently, you know, you and the group, you guys reunited and dropped the single "Here We Go Again." What do you want old and new listeners to get from this song and a possible project? Um. I think it's that, right? I think it's that. I mean, that's that that was where deep with it. That's what the life said he wanted. That's what he said he wanted the album to be. And it's just like here we go again. You know what I mean? The 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 the, the ideology of tenacity, man. You know the I don't know, it's more than an ideology. Maybe it's the the essence of tenacity, you know. Um but that's where we going, you know. Okay. Okay. You're never too old to do it. Uh, you can always come up with a new idea. It's so fun. Uh, rappers are musicians. Like, all the things we always stood for. Yeah. These are all the things we always stood for. Daddy, let me ask this question then. You know, you got Instagram and you got all these sites now. You got pages like, you know, On This Day in Hip Hop or OG Legacy. And how do you feel about it? You know, as someone champion classical hip hop, how do you feel about having pages like that where somebody younger than me can go back mm -hmm. and say, oh, okay, on this day this came out or this artist dropped that out? I'm like, how do you feel about that as a classical hip hop artist? I I, I love I love that. I, somebody was doing that. I can't remember who was doing that. I know when Doc and them got that the 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 the, the, the podcast is C Doc again. And I think Chuckify does a thing called he's a um 
he either does a thing called This Day in Hip Hop. Yeah. Or um, This Week This Happened or whatever. But like, no, I think that that's dope. I think, I mean, I think it's concisive and I think it probably, it might need to be like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think there's multiple things that might have happened on some days, um, and it would pro- probably have to be put together s- s- somewhat digitally that it could grow. You know what I mean? Because a simple way of saying it is maybe you miss something, you know, but if you have it there, you can always add to the, you know what I mean, to the timeline. But no, I think it's a dope. I think it's a dope idea. I, I think. I, I think the challenge is, is is is. Do you have a stop? That's the challenge. Because if you have a stop point. You probably kind of if you don't have it because I could see putting it together from the beginning um, or you know whatever we want to call the beginning but I could see putting it together from the beginning and then coming on down and I could see some of that stuff especially some of the nice stuff being real filled in you know but what do what, what do we do? What do we do with um the now, like right before now and now, and how do we do that? And then how do you how do you monitor it moving forward? Because it's yeah, kind of yeah. easy to look at the past, you know what I mean? But how do you monitor it moving forward? So yeah, that would be my thought. Daddy, I got one more question for you. You know, okay. uh, hip hop birthday was the other day. Uh, on paper, it turned 49. It'll be 50 next year. And then, you know, they're going to have the uh, exhibit in New York next year, hopefully done, I think, by 2023. You know, what's your thoughts on hip hop about to turn 50 or where hip hop is now at 49? Like, do you feel as if it's in good hands? Do you feel like the current generation of of artists are doing what they it needs to keep it around for another 50. What do you think? Well, I think I think that I know that's a heavy question. <laughs> I think there's some good. I think I think good. I think there's some good efforts to move forward. I love what Rocky is doing at the Universal Museum. Um, apparently they're building a, a hip hop museum in, in, in Memphis, um, not rocking somebody else, uh, somebody wants to do one in Detroit. Um, but I think that there's some good efforts. I think there's some good efforts moving forward, probably with the universe. I'm, I'm on the board of the Universal Hip Hop Museum. So with that being foremost in my mind, but, um, I think we gotta let the dust settle. I mean, I I I I I I I I, I really do. I I, th- I think 
I think hip hop is really, really young. And I think it's like a young kid. We, we are young latchkey kid. So we're young, but dad left and mom has to give us a key to get in after school. So we learn how to do all type of shit that a two-parented kind of put together well home kids wouldn't be doing. Mm. So we seem like we older than 50 because we mature a little kids. But we honestly are little kids. And so that's what I believe. I think the dust got to settle because when I say that, I really mean that we got to be given the opportunity to grow. I think a lot of times people look at hip hop and say, oh, you should be growing up. This was bad because bad things happen. And so this Rico case in, in, in Atlanta is not good for us. This Rico case coming up in Philadelphia, it's not good for us. The powerful music, it's not good for us. Because you know things happen, and, and you know we we've got. But what happens is that you know we've created we meaning generation which are in trouble. We've created this kind of little crew. These guys underneath us, they really spoke to a rapper, and he was telling me, "Say, hey, man, you know, I want you to hear the song, but I'm not sure you're gonna get it because a lot of it is like lean references and." somebody that stole some lean from somebody and you know it's just this is what they do like this is their life and this is what we've allowed to happen and i like i said i trouble but I, my generation allowed this to happen you know i mean with with, with with kids get in trouble and do drugs and all of that kind of stuff kind of probably yeah but you know we're talking about a group of folks that are basically known because of their music. That's where, you know, that's that stupid argument. Oh, hip hop is one thing, rap is another thing, but people know us through rap, duh. People don't know, be honest, people don't know us through graffiti. <laughs> people don't know us through graffiti. People don't know us through, through, through DJing. They really don't know us through DJing. Especially now with the push button DJ. They don't know us through this. They know us through rap. And so, you know, we, 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 we I, I'm sorry to say it, but I think there's a responsibility there for something. It is. I don't know, man. I, I, I feel responsible. I'm trying to be. I'm an absentee father that's trying to get back in my son's and daughter's lives. So yes, I want to talk to Moneybag. I want to talk to Nikki and Megan and you know what I mean? I want to be in my kid's life, you know? I want to tell them I'm proud of them and then I want to tell them what I think could help more. But that's what I think we are. And I think if Melly Mel takes that approach, if Kaz takes that approach, if Shah Rock takes that approach, there's no telling. That's why I said we could get our groove. I'm telling you, while, while we all still alive, you need us because we nice, nice. 
Y'all are good, but we are nice. Listen to Grandmaster Cats. We nice, nice. We nice, B. Kane is nice, B. Rakim is nice, B. We nice, B. YZ nice, B. We nice. You know what I'm saying? So we could, you know what I'm saying? We could show you a little something, something for real. Like, you won't even, they won't even know you got it from me. But when you do it, they're going to be like, that's, I think, I, but I do think we absent, man. I, I think we are. You know, people could go, you know, people going, oh, you know, we absent because, you know, I, I did a post on my uh, my Instagram the other day. It went crazy. Everybody's like, oh, they, 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 oh, they, these, these kids are just the products of a bastardization of a system. Shut up, man. <laughs> Your kids, man. Every other one, every other time y'all want to be running around talking about young black men, they young black men. Moneybag Yo is a young black man. Blueface is a young black man. What? Lil Wayne is a young black man. What? Oh no, a young black man besides Lil Wayne. That's what you mean? Mm-hmm. So the only time you stand up for them is when they Ahmad Marbury or somebody else. They dead. So we could talk, we could talk, we blew it in the face. I like what's happening with some of the convictions and stuff like that. That's cool. But I bet you, you just got to have that much conviction for everybody else, man. Everybody need help, man. It ain't just the ones that, you know, because all we do is go to Ben Crump and then get some money for the family. That's it. That's all we do. You know what I'm trying to say? And we got guys out here, man, you know, and, 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 and then the next thing you know, boom. Oh, so-and-so committed suicide. We wasn't even talking to so-and-so. So, I don't know, man. That's one of the things we got to do, man. Daddy, I appreciate you even sitting and, um, and talking with me, man. I've, I've always looked at your interviews and just the fact that you can start from classical hip-hop and go to now and, and do it with the same level of understanding, that's, that's just impressive. Well, that's hip hop. I mean, I think that's us, though, right? I, I really think that that's what. When I was a kid, and I was getting into hip hop, the, the 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 big thing. I was from Brooklyn. The big thing was getting the tapes, hmm. getting the flash tapes, getting the vampire tapes, getting the getting the cold rush tapes. You know, getting the tapes, especially if you heard a new tape came out party or whatever you want to hear it then you know the street be buzzing about something somebody said i remember one time Cass said i'm moving out there tomorrow i'm talking about brooklyn because brooklyn was going crazy on tape you know that was going around you know what i'm saying but it was all about having all the tapes it was all about having all the knowledge right of everything that was going on so that you could participate but you got to know what's going on. You can't participate and not know this is happening, not know this is happening, not know this is happening, especially because it was a, you know, hip hop is born, you know, born out of competition. So, so, so because it's competitive, you got to know what they doing over there because you might try something and lose, like an example, going right back to what we were talking about with the records and the sample. You got to be on top of your game because you might go somewhere and call yourself performing and the, the same group already got a routine to that. A, another group who's there 
might already got a routine to that same record that you use, mm. right? And I hate to say it, but theirs might be better. <laughs> you know what I'm so you gotta be real, you gotta be on your P's and Q's. You know what I'm saying? You gotta you 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 gotta be on your P's and Q's to 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 figure all of that out, man. You know what I'm saying? So you need to know everything that everybody is doing. And so I fast forward to now, that's my perspective. My perspective is, do I want to, I'm going to say it. Do I want to listen to 31 songs? I probably don't, but I'm going to listen to all 31 songs on the game album. Facts. Because I got to listen down at least once. A lot of people were going to skip around. I'm skipping around. Most of the time I don't skip around because I, I might find a line I need to sample for a chorus in one of my own games. So that's most of the time. Cause the game could spin. I don't care how y'all like the game. I'll find some shit and sample, whatever. But I'm saying that's what I, but I have to know what game is doing. Because suppose anything can happen, but because I'm always interviews like this, suppose somebody asks me, oh, what you think about the game record? Um, that he did with Emin against Eminem, it's 10 minutes long. What you think that, yo? You understand what I'm trying to say? Like, you, I, I, I feel like, ain't this, our, ain't this our thing? Like, ain't this our life? You understand what I'm trying right. to say? So yeah. why would we not know what's going on all around if this is our little thing? To try to yourself and put yourself in the category, and I don't really care about none of that. That's kind of sad, like, only because it's dope to care because it's dope that we could do that we can care. Mm. It's dope that I can get on my phone and see money back. Like it's dope to care because it's dope that we can care. Like back in the, I tell people all the time, if I was in 1981 and I got, I got, I'm, I'm making something 81, 82, I'm making something. It's hot. I could, I could even go 84, 85, 86. And I'm making something in this hot. How does somebody in um, um, Flint, Michigan know what I'm doing? They just don't. And even if I got close, it would be probably a strikeout. Because my record company might not pay for me to do an in-store in Flint, but they might pay for me to do one in Detroit. But that means Saginaw, all of them guys, got to drive in suppose they had to work like it's it's just that versus what what we have going on right now it's night and day and it's just it's just an issue of like you got the ability to consume it this way not why not do it i mean are you going to hear everybody know are you going to miss some things absolutely you're gonna you you, you know it's probably going to be the top ones you 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 want to hear the you know you want to hear the top ones. You want to see whatever. Um, the the, <laughs> the streaming services make that very easy. All you got to do is go on freaking uh, uh, Spotify and put in rap caveat and just listen to what's in. And then and then Apple got a rap, you know, rap today or today's rap. Just play the shit in your car, man. Stomach it, man. Know what's going on. Because honestly, what's going to happen is you're going to hear something and you're going to like it. You're going to be like, oh, what was that? You understand yep. what I'm trying to say? Because y'all think these little dudes don't be rapping, man. Some of them, they be getting off, man. They be getting off. So, you know what I mean? It's like, boom, 
Then some of the music is good too. You know, some of the music is good. So it's just an issue of just trying to do that. And I think that ability, like you said, to go classic to now should be all of our abilities. We all live through it. It's just an issue of understand. Um, you know, some some now is it, 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 it's about us. I mean, really, all now is about us. I mean, but it's gonna be tough. Can't listen to every drill record. You know, can't. I mean, you don't know everybody, so you don't know. And I mean, you could, but I mean, I, I'm sure you. I'm sure you. I'm sure you already got. Um, you know, things to do in your life, whether it's work or whatever. So you got things to do in your life. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, you got time. And then a lot of my peers don't do nothing but shows. You know, I, I do stuff. I work. But a lot of them, I'm saying they, they don't do nothing but shows. That's what they do. So you got time to listen. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You got time to listen. You got time to check in. And the, the, the other thing is, they do way more shows than, I mean, I think coming up, that's going to be on the road a lot. But they do make way more shows than stats. So you Memphis. Find out if this little nugget mag is, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Find yeah. out if Keith Glock home. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Be like, yo, man, he might not even know you, but then his grandfather know you. Or his pops going, man, Melly Mel down there, boy. You better go down there, boy. You know who that is, man? Melly Mel, man. Melly Mel. Broken glass everywhere. That's Melly Mel, boy. You better go down there and see Melly Mel. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> But That's yeah, I just think we need to connect more, you know. But I'm always be like that, man. It, maybe it happened, maybe it don't. But I'm always advocate for it, my brother. 